Hello, Spotlight friends. Welcome to another episode of Ave Spotlight. Today, I am with my friend, Leah Jacobson. Thank you so much, Leah. For everyone listening, it is 810 on a Saturday. <laughs> and Leah is a rock star. So thank you for, you know, making time and being here. And we're just so excited to have you. And I'm so excited to hear all about your thoughts on one of our Compassion in Action episodes. We're talking about dignity and the right to life. We're talking about consistent life ethics, what that means, how we can practice it. Throughout these episodes, we've talked about Catholic social teaching and, you know, if it's actually accessible for regular people. So you're not a professor, you're not someone out there doing something deeply profound. You're just trying to live your life. I'm happy to have you share just about your day-to-day life and how you live out this particular social teaching. So that was a lot. You are really awesome. I'm happy to have you here, but I'm sure everyone listening is just like, who is this woman? Um, Because Chanel is really hyping her up. So would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself to everyone listening? Yeah, no, totally. So uh, Chanel, it's kind of funny. 8, 10 PM on a Saturday night is like when my world comes alive. (laughs) This is like, I've got seven kids and they're all home tonight. So it's like, oh my god, time to do this. I actually feel awake and alive and energized. I've got all seven home tonight. We just had supper together. Um, So it's actually just, my heart is like on fire right now because that's really, that's That's really what what I do. I'm a mom to seven amazing children, ages 19 to four. And so my oldest is off at college. He's a freshman this year in college. And so when he does come home, I just am so happy to like make supper for them and like make them all sit together and talk. So that really is the heart of who I am. I'm I'm a mom and I'm a wife of Josh for 20 years now. Oh my gosh. Wow. I love that. You are, you are really a rock star though. I think you're like, I think you should give yourself more credit. And first off, congratulations on a 20 year marriage. That is so beautiful. Also, it's so one. My mom says that all the time. Whenever I think my sister and I were both home a couple weeks ago, and we're in our thirties, and my mom was just like, you know, like sitting at the dinner table watching us talk, and my younger sister was like, "Mommy, what are you? What's going on?" And she was like, "I just love watching you guys together. Like, I was, just love." Was she sobbing? Like, oh yeah, she was like <laughs> crying, and she was like, "I just love it. Like, it's just something about like seeing you guys." And I'm like, "Mom." we're sisters, we're friends. Like, I don't, why is this so intense but for that you? And- right there, you <laughs> sisters and friends feels like such a tremendous accomplishment to a mom. Like to oh. feel like I made it through. And that's really, I just have gotten to that point now in my motherhood where I feel like, okay, we're coming out the other side of this. All those years, all those prayers, all that investment in little people and toddlers in, you know, oh gosh, all of it, <laughs> you know, yeah. school conferences and sports practices. When you start coming out the other end, the first one comes out okay. You're like, oh my God, oh my gosh. <laughs> you're like, hmm, I did that. You and Jacob are like, you know what? Okay. Like we did yeah. it. We made yeah. it to the yeah. other <laughs> side. Yeah. And you're all eating dinner and you're like, all of you guys are eating dinner and we're all okay. Yeah. So that's where I just came from. So, you know, 8, 8, 15 now, you know, on a Saturday night, like my heart is full. And so it just reminds me that all this other stuff, all this, you know, work that I do for the culture of life and to protect the unborn and, you know, give dignity to women, like none of that matters if I don't get this right. Mm. at the dinner table. Like if I don't get this right, if I don't give my children dignity and I don't have the time to look them in the eye and let them know that they matter, that mm. I'm so happy they're here, then I'm not doing it right. So yeah, then that's it. 
your primary vocation is as a loving mother. And would you mind sharing with us a little bit about your other uh, passion that you do with Guiding Star? Yeah. So Guiding Star really came out of my motherhood in a sense. Um, I used to work for the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota as the campus ministry coordinator at UMD. So University of Minnesota Duluth, Bulldog Catholic, go Bulldogs. That's where Josh and I spent the first three years of our marriage. We lived and worked at the Newman House, which is now very famously occupied by Father Mike Schmitz. (laughs) Name drop, name drop. yeah, Name drop, name drop. But it's, you know, all those videos, the Ascension Presents videos, that living room, that fireplace, like that's my, that's my first home as a married, as a married woman. That's where we brought our first baby home to. That's where we Mm. began our family. And it was with college students all around us, just like Father Mike now lives with all the college students at UMD around him. So did we. And it was our marriage and our fertility and welcoming babies into the world that really helped me to recognize just how, how desolate and how broken the average young person is, how separated they are from their body, how fearful they are of their fertility, and just how closed off we've become to life. And that really kind of saddened me, but really sparked something and made me pretty passionate about transmitting that truth to the the young Catholic that, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. God made your body exactly how he intended to make it. There's no reason to alter, suppress, destroy this. What you got to do here is understand, love, and embrace it. Mm. That became the passion project, I guess, of Guiding Star was born from that after we left campus ministry. I thought I was going to be a midwife. I thought I was going to help young women deliver their babies and be so empowered by these amazing natural childbirths. And I was even um, set to go back to nursing school. I was going to become a nurse midwife. And one night in adoration, I finally told God about my plans. You know, and they always say, if you ever want to make God laugh, tell him your plans mm. <laughs> in a little adoration chapel in Duluth, Minnesota. Star of the Sea. So Our Lady Star of the Sea. Oh, wow. Which is where we get our namesake of Guiding Star because she is Stella Maris, Guiding Star of the Sea, mm-hmm. um, where God just said no. Like he audibly said no to me in prayer when I said I was going to be a midwife. That hurts. Yeah. <laughs> that hurts. It, it's shocking when you mm. think like, I'm going to do this great thing for you, God. And he's like, mm, no. <laughs> nah, not that. Yeah, not really <laughs> into that. Would love if you did something completely on the other end. And also I'm going to ask for you to have a lot of faith in me because this is probably not going to go in the direction that you want. Yeah. And you have no idea how to do it actually. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to feel completely inadequate. So love it. So that's a beautiful launching point of feeling completely inadequate. We know some, so many of our listeners, they think to themselves like, okay, how can I actually live this out? Okay. The March for life just happened yesterday, I believe. Um, so yesterday, so we have people praying, we have people marching and walking. Okay. Then you go home and you're in your parish and you're just at your school or you're in your home, you're taking care of your family, you're taking care of yourself. And you're just like, what can I do to live like a consistent life ethic. Like, what does that look like for me to be pro-life in my own life? What's a way that's not extravagant? You know, what would yeah. you say to someone that's like, okay, Leah, I, I really like can't fly to Washington yeah, and go to this event. And I really can't, you know, I don't know, stand outside of this yeah. pregnancy center. So what would you recommend to that person? Like, how do you get, start getting involved? What's that look like? I mean, I think it's exactly how God involved me in it is that give him space to speak, like in the silence of adoration and the silence of prayer, give him the chance to tell you what he needs. 
And then just say yes to the next thing that you know. If God had told me in an adoration chapel in 2006 that I would be running a national nonprofit with locations across the country, I would have like run for the hills. I would have been like, no way. No thanks. No thanks. No way. <laughs> but all he said was, call your spiritual director. That was the first step that I had, like discern this. Mm-hmm. And so I just did the next step. And that spiritual director connected me to the next step. And then that was the next step. I've never actually been able to see any further than beyond the next step. And I think that's been just a a grace and a mercy from God when he calls us to do things that are uncomfortable for us. He doesn't usually tell us the full extent of what he's going to lead us to. And before we know what we're doing crazy big things, because we Mm -hmm. just did that small step in faith. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know what I love about guiding stars? It reminds me of when I first graduated from college and I first went, for my first uh, wellness appointment, which for all the ladies listening, if you have not had your wellness check, it is time. So this is God telling you to go. And so I went and I just sat there and I was so scared. And I just remember being like, I just have no idea outside of like my cycle that happens every month. I have no idea what happens. To, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> like uh, yeah. I just kind of like eat food. I know sometimes my stomach hurts. Maybe I shouldn't have eaten that. Like mm-hmm. sometimes if I work out a lot, like I kind of get tired, but then sometimes I'm just more tired and then less sometimes. I don't know. Like maybe one day if I got married, like I could have kids. I have friends that don't have that ability. I have friends yeah. that like are constantly having children. So it's like, I don't really know. I'm, I'm not really sure, but I'm kind of like hoping and praying and wishing on a star that everything turns out fine. And I remember thinking that like, and I remember sitting in my doctor's office and her in a beautiful like Catholic women's healthcare center in Denver, Colorado. And I remember her sitting there and saying like, you know, you can start like charting and learning more about your body now. You don't have to wait mm-hmm until years from now, or if you were to get married or have children, like you can start knowing it's good to know about your body as it is. It's actually an asset. And I remember being like, well, that's kind of, but I don't know, that kind of seems hard. And like, there's a lot of stuff. She was like, (laughs) you know, and she was like, well, I mean, it's a lot because it's your body, but she was like, but won't you feel better if you know why and what, and what's going on? And that was the first time someone had actually pressed me on that, you know, and it made me feel so empowered. And she had a beautiful point where she said, so many women, especially women that are affected in like pro-life communities or by people that live that kind of preaching lifestyle. She's like, they don't, they get so scared and nervous because they don't even know about their own bodies. Yeah. So if you're asking someone, like if you're saying, Hey, like, how can I help you? How can we help you to love your child? How can we help you to love yourself more so we can get to that point where you're, you know, helping yourself, you know, it's hard when you're like, well, I don't even know what's going on with myself. You know, I was never raised in a culture of that kind of yeah. knowledge, just yeah. very much in a culture of like altering and stopping. So any pain yeah. immediately, like here's yep. what you do, any yep. uncomfort, here's what you do. And so it makes sense that women kind of respond in that way. You know, it makes sense. I see it a lot, actually, in the pro-life community where we've got really well-meaning women that mm. are you know, maybe of a generation that had a lot of shame in mm. around their fertility and around their periods and their cycles. and so. They struggle tremendously to help a woman who is going through maybe a situation or an un, you know an unplanned pregnancy or some sort of crisis mm. 
sometimes they struggle to convey to her her dignity. They'll mm-hmm. focus on the baby's dignity. Like this is mm-hmm. a unique human being, like you're a mother, respect your baby. But they're not always telling her like you deserve to be treated mm-hmm. so well right now. Like mm-hmm. you are so beautiful because so many of them never heard that. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is a wound, you know, uh, a generational wound that has been passed down through many women um, in our culture, sadly. But there's just been a lot of shame and a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, like you just said, like you're in the dark. Yeah. You're like, well, I don't know. Like, I kind of hope that everything kind of works out. And and so I love on your website how you say many times throughout your website, like we have holistic care for women like we mm-hmm. We want you to feel like you know what's going on with your own bodies as they are because they're good and that's good. And, you know, it's it's knowledge. Knowledge is power. So, like, how do you feel like having this kind of healthcare in this format kind of equip women and can equip others to be, you know, more consistently pro-life? And how can knowledge like help us in that growth? Well, so we have a program at Guiding Star called The Cycle Show, and our target mm-hmm. audience is actually nine-year-old girls, nine to 12-year-old girls that we want. That's the first time we we want to meet them by the time they're nine or 10, because we know that if we don't meet them at that point, then the culture has met them. And the culture has told them all kinds of things about what their body is for and their, you know, their little developing bodies, like how they should look and how they should act and how they should feel about them. Absolutely. If we don't get to them first to give them a message of, you deserve to respect yourself. So the slogan actually of Cycle Show is, I will only protect what I value and respect. The idea that if we're asking young women to make, you know, sexually safe decisions, you know, asking them to protect their, you know, their fertility, their virginity, their chastity, like all these things we're asking them to protect, but they don't value or respect those things. They don't see this as special. They're Mm. not going to do it. And so I feel strongly that Using the voice of healthcare, using information, using knowledge, empowering them through like scientific data. This is how your body just works. This is just the truth about how you were made that that gives them that reason to say, no, I deserve to take good care of myself right now. I'm going to make decisions that protect myself. And because I am worthy of that, that dignity and that respect, anything that my body creates is also worthy of that dignity and that respect. And so it's it's getting women to understand and protect their own fertility that allows them to say, this child that I have conceived, maybe it's ill-timed, maybe it's you know not when I was planning for it. The situation might not be ideal, but it's incredible because I'm incredible and I mm. created something incredible and I will protect it fiercely. Mm. Like that's mm. the type of shift that needs to happen. And yeah. that happens through healthcare. I truly believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's beautiful. And it's a like direct causation where it really is so interesting. Even when I talk with some of my girlfriends, we talk all about how when we were younger and there's this huge push, I remember a huge wave of like, if you are a young woman and you have uncomfortable or painful cycles, you need to be on this birth control. Mm-hmm. And it was never like a of one style. It was just like, there were so many different types. And it was like, you tried this one, you try this one. So many of my friends were depressed and had like mood changes and were just so like their bodies were losing weight, gaining weight, et cetera. And we were talking about just how 
if we knew, if our mothers knew and who who are very well intentioned, you know, not wanting to see us in pain, but it's like, if there was just more knowledge, imagine the possibility of what we could have done with ourselves, you know, and with the people that we're talking to. And so it's just, it is a beautiful thing to think about how much not knowing can really keep you in the dark, you know, um, in a real way. Well, and, wow. and you know the church. The church has done such tremendous work over the past. Really, truly, it's been a century already. You know, they've been mm. searching fertility awareness and uh, trying to understand ovulation and fertility. They really have been the pioneers of it. Mm. And so, the church has really done a great job of trying to help us understand fertility for the purposes mostly of family planning. You know, it really began as you know natural family planning, like in the rhythm method, which was a little questionable and or great. <laughs> but it was a start. It was. Mm. It was Pretty advanced. You got to start science. somewhere. Mm-hmm. It was pretty advanced science for 19, you know, 25. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't with the understanding at that point that this is really knowledge that every woman should have, whether or not she's, you know, yep. trying to plan for a family. And mm-hmm. I think that's the really important shift that has happened in the last maybe 20 to 30 years that we're seeing fertility awareness methods, you know, come up alongside natural family planning methods with just as much importance of just this is, you know, your fifth vital sign of reproductive health. You're not going to understand the rest of your health as a woman if you're not looking at your your signs of fertility and your cycle and your hormones. Mm. Uh, really owe it to women to acknowledge that we are made very different from men. Mm. And the church, you know, has really been a huge advocate for women as unique, having our own feminine genius, you know, these terms that it's used, but really in John Paul II's call for the new feminism, he tells us don't replicate models of, of male domination. Don't try to be men, like be as woman as you can be. And that's our fertility. That's our cycles. That's what really sets us apart from men. Mm, so it's absolutely. just critical that, you know, this be included in our education as Catholic women to our daughters, that absolutely. this is part of themselves that they embrace and love. Absolutely. Wow. So, you know, I wish, I wish that, I mean, I get to talk to you once a month, which is great for our little girls group we have. And so it's beautiful, but I wish you could just talk. I wish I could listen to like a radio station of you sharing about, (laughs) (laughs) sharing about how much more I should know. Um, Because I do feel, I always feel empowered to learn more about myself after I hear you talk, because I'm like, gosh, I really need to sit down and like read about what this phase is and what this phase is and why I'm doing this and why, you know, and I'm like, cause there are answers that sometimes I just, feel a little too lazy to to get. So I hope that for everyone listening, this was an encouraging moment to, you know, just really get out there. And I feel like the starting point from what you shared is just like knowing about yourself and having that connection to how you work and how you operate, how the people closest to you work. And from there, we can truly start to build a society that cares more about others in a significant way, which I think is beautiful. So Leah, at the end of every episode, we ask each guest about something that gives them hope. Uh, It can be something in the future that you're hopeful for or something in the past that just recently gave you hope. I can go first if you need some time to think, or you can go first if you're ready. How are you feeling? Oh, you go first. I'm always curious what other people feel about. (laughs) Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So mine is my goddaughter who just turned five, it was her baptismal anniversary. So I took her to, we have like annual passes here in Florida, Disney World. So we went to Magic Kingdom, just me and her. 
And it was just really great. We were walking around. She was telling me all about like, you know, her preschool friends and like some shows she likes and Bluey and episodes and all that stuff. And I just, as we were walking around and she she said to me, oh, is it time to leave? And I was like, oh, no, we can hang out for like another hour. And she was like, good, because I really have fun with you. And I thought, wow, look Aww. at this openly communicative little person that's yeah. sharing her feelings in such a clear, yeah. non-scared way. And I was like, I'm hopeful for this generation of children that they will feel like they can express their feelings to adults in a way that is just so healthy and honest and with no fear of like repercussion or anything, just completely like, this is how I feel. And I just want to tell you, you know, and it was just so cool. So I'm excited for this next generation of adults and young people that they can hopefully not be afraid to say what they're feeling and, and express things with us who can probably also learn from them. So I'm hopeful for that. Well, it's really funny that that's what you said, because as soon as you said, what are you hopeful for? I immediately thought of my my three daughters in particular, mm. I've got four sons and I've got three daughters and I'm hopeful for my sons. Yeah. But it's the girls. That yeah. That hope's really, really set on my oldest daughter just turned 16. And then I have Aww. a daughter and I have a four-year-old daughter. Mm. So I've kind of got one in each of those phases of girlhood. Oh yeah. And my hope, I guess, is very, very similar for this mm. next generation. It's more than just hope though. Like I have, I feel like I have evidence that it is actually going to be better. It's like beyond hope. It's like, it's being realized because Mm. I see my 16 year old daughter clearly articulating to her friends about her own fertility and her needs and her cycle Mm. and saying, you know, I have my period. I just kind of want to stay home tonight and like no shame, nothing at all. And being received in such like an open and just like non-judgmental way. I have so much hope for our young women that they don't carry that stigma of, mm. you know, that somehow your body will hold you back or your body is a burden when reality is our female bodies are what make us exactly who God like loves so dearly. Mm. I so absolutely love that. I love that. And God bless your daughter because 16 year old Chanel would have never. So <laughs> I don't God know that I would have either. I don't think I would have. like, that is super cool that she is that open with her friends and also claps to her friend group for yeah. being so like chill and probably exactly. like, okay, sounds good. Um, yeah. So that's amazing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And then I get to see the trickle down, you know, on her little sisters and, you know, them learning about this, that my four-year-old has some awareness already. You know, I'm a lactation consultant. So I guess she sees a lot Ah, more. She's like, I get it. She sort of gets that. She's like, well, I know what that's all about, but but their bodies are going to be amazing. Yeah. And your bodies are good. And that is such a gift. And I really think the next wave of powerful pro-life ministry is just like this knowledge. Like we have to have more conversations. We have to have less shame surrounding these like these words, like periods, menstruals, whatever. Um, We have to have young women that are like, oh, you know, I'm kind of tired. I'm going to hang back with my family tonight. And for the reason that they know about themselves. I think that is the next wave of us truly living in a society that loves one another in this way that I think we've all been like marching on Washington for every year for. So hopefully, hopefully that's what happens. And, um, and I'm hopeful because that story about your daughter just really like hyped me up too. You know, what, what a cool thing for a teenage girl to actually know about herself and be that self-aware. 
It makes me hopeful for my sons that they yeah. will marry women <laughs> like that someday too. Yeah, my gosh, what a be- what a beautiful situation you have going on there. So, Leah, would you mind sharing with us where we can find out more about Guiding Star um, and any recommendations that you'd have for someone that just wants to know more about how we can love one another and live a more pro life culture? Yeah, absolutely. So, Guiding Star, um, we're online at guidingstarproject.com. And I would really welcome any of your listeners that are kind of just intrigued by this like conversation of almost like this new feminist type of mm-hmm. rhetoric, like how do I talk about this in a way that's just really empowering? We have something called Guiding Star Academy, which is a free, I guess, portal of resources. You just log mm-hmm. in and you can download everything from how to talk to my daughter about her period to, you know, understanding the phases of my cycle. So, you know, sign into the academy and start just diving in and learning. Of course, I would recommend, you know, the books that we've published from Guiding Star as well, Minus Holistic Feminism. Um, gosh, I can't remember the tagline to my own book, Healing, <laughs> Healing the Identity Crisis Caused by the Women's Movement. That's what my mm-hmm. book is about, Holistic mm-hmm. Feminism. I almost said the tagline to the next one, which is Teresa Kenny's book, The Happy Girl's Guide to Being Whole. Oh, and love. that's what you never knew about your natural body, um, mm. the happy girl's guide. And then what's going on in my body. And that's the the third book that we've published. So they're for women of all ages to just understand the women's movement, to understand women's bodies mm. and uh, how we got where we are, but how to fix it going forward. So mm. we encourage you to just engage with us in conversation online through our Facebook, Instagram, or through our website. Wow. Oh, I love that. And we'll make sure to put that in our show notes so people can check that out. Belia, thank you so much for being with me. And I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your evening with your family. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you guys for listening. And thank you so much to Leah for being our guest. I hope that this conversation was inspiring for you as much as it was for me. I really do believe that the next wave of the pro-life movement is just going to be us understanding more about ourselves and the people around us so then we can love them better. I'm really excited um, for our next episode. And as usual, please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. I look forward to talking to you guys soon. God bless.